0: Chapter 22 of Bracebridge Hall by Washington Irving This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Schoolmaster. There will no moss stick to the stone of Sisyphus, no grass hang on the heels of Mercury no butter cleave on the bread of a traveller. For as the eagle at every flight loseth a feather, which maketh her bald in her age, so the traveller in every country loseth some fleece, which maketh him a beggar in his youth, by buying that for a pound, which he cannot sell again for a penny. Repentance Lily's Euphuis among the worthies of the village that enjoy the peculiar confidence of master simon is one who has struck my fancy so much that i have thought him worthy of a separate notice it is slingsby the schoolmaster a thin elderly man rather threadbare and slovenly somewhat indolent in manner and with an easy good-humoured look not often met with in his craft I HAVE BEEN INTERESTED IN HIS FAVOUR BY A FEW ANECDOTES WHICH I HAVE PICKED UP CONCERNING HIM. HE IS A NATIVE OF THE VILLAGE, AND WAS A CONTEMPORARY AND PLAYMATE OF READY-MONEY JACK IN THE DAYS OF THEIR BOYHOOD. INDEED THEY CARRIED ON A KIND OF LEAGUE OF MUTUAL GOOD OFFICES. SLINGSBY WAS RATHER PUNY, AND WITHAL SOMEWHAT OF A COWARD, BUT VERY APT AT HIS LEARNING jack on the contrary was a bully boy out of doors but a sad laggard at his books slingsby helped jack therefore to all his lessons jack fought all slingsby's battles and they were inseparable friends this mutual kindness continued even after they left school notwithstanding the dissimilarity of their characters jack took to plowing and reaping and prepared himself to till his paternal acres while the other loitered negligently on in the path of learning until he penetrated even into the confines of latin and mathematics in an unlucky hour however he took to reading voyages and travels and was smitten with a desire to see the world this desire increased upon him as he grew up so early one bright sunny morning he put all his effects in a knapsack, slung it on his back, took staff in hand, and called in his way to take leave of his early schoolmate. Jack was just going out with the plough. the friend shook hands over the farmhouse gate. Jack drove his team afield, and slingsby whistled over the hills and far away, and sallied forth gaily to seek his fortune. Years and years passed by and young tom slingsby was forgotten when one mellow sunday afternoon in autumn a thin man somewhat advanced in life with a coat out at elbows a pair of old Yankee gaiters and a few things tied in a handkerchief and slung on the end of a stick was seen loitering through the village he appeared to regard several houses attentively to peer into the windows that were open to eye the villagers wistfully as they returned from church, and then to pass some time in the churchyard reading the tombstones. At length he found his way to the farmhouse of Ready Money Jack, but paused ere he attempted the wicket, contemplating the picture of substantial independence before him. In the porch of the house sat Ready Money Jack in his Sunday dress, with his hat upon his head, his pipe in his mouth, in his tankard before him, the monarch of all he surveyed beside him lay his fat house-dog, the varied sounds of poultry were heard from the well-stocked farmyard. The bees hummed from their hives in the garden. The cattle lowed in the rich meadow while the crammed barns and ample stacks bore proof of an abundant harvest. The stranger opened the gate and advanced dubiously towards the house the mastiff growled at the sight of the suspicious-looking intruder but was immediately silenced by his master who taking his pipe from his mouth awaited with inquiring aspect the address of this equivocal personage the stranger eyed old jack for a moment so portly in his dimensions and decked out in gorgeous apparel then cast a glance upon his own threadbare and starveling condition and the scanty bundle which he held in his hand, and giving his shrunk waistcoat a twitch, to make him meet his receding waistband, and casting another look, half sad, half humorous, at the sturdy yeoman. "'I suppose,' said he, "'Mr. Tibbets, you have forgot old times and old playmates.' The latter gazed at him with scrutinizing look, but acknowledged that he had no recollection of him like enough like enough said the stranger everybody seems to have forgotten poor slingsby why no sure it can't be tom slingsby yes but it is though replied the stranger shaking his head ready money jack was on his feet in a twinkling thrust out his hand gave his ancient crony the grip of a giant and slapping the other hand on a bench sit down there cried he tom slingsby a LONG CONVERSATION ENSUED ABOUT OLD TIMES, WHILE SLINGSBY WAS REGALED WITH THE BEST CHEER THAT THE FARMHOUSE AFFORDED, FOR HE WAS HUNGRY AS WELL AS WAYWORN, AND HAD THE KEEN APPETITE OF A POOR PEDESTRIAN. THE EARLY PLAYMATES THEN TALKED OVER THEIR SUBSEQUENT LIVES AND ADVENTURES. JACK HAD BUT LITTLE TO RELATE, AND WAS NEVER GOOD AT A LONG STORY. A PROSPEROUS LIFE PASSED AT HOME. HAS LITTLE INCIDENT FOR NARRATIVE. IT IS ONLY POOR DEVILS THAT ARE TOSSED ABOUT THE WORLD THAT ARE THE TRUE HEROES OF STORY. JACK HAD STUCK BY THE PATERNAL FARM, FOLLOWED THE SAME PLOW THAT HIS FOREFATHERS HAD DRIVEN, AND HAD WAXED RICHER AND RICHER AS HE GREW OLDER. AS TO TOM SLINGSBY, HE WAS AN EXEMPLIFICATION OF THE OLD PROVERB, A ROLLING STONE GATHERS NO MOSS he had sought his fortune about the world without ever finding it being a thing oftener found at home than abroad he had been in all kinds of situations and had learned a dozen different modes of making a living but had found his way back to his native village rather poorer than when he left it his knapsack having dwindled down to a scanty bundle as luck would have it the squire was passing by the farmhouse that very evening, and called there as is often his custom. He found the two schoolmates still gossiping in the porch, and, according to the good old Scottish song, taking a cup of kindness yet for old Lang Syne. The squire was struck by the contrast in appearance and fortunes of these early playmates. Ready-money Jack, seated in lordly state, surrounded by the good things of this life with golden guineas hanging to his very watch-chain and the poor pilgrim slingsby thin as a weasel with all his worldly effects his bundle hat and walking staff lying on the ground beside him the good squire's heart warmed towards the luckless cosmopolite for he is a little prone to like such half vagrant characters he cast about in his mind how he should contrive once more to anchor Slingsby in his native village. Honest Jack had already offered him a present shelter under his roof, in spite of the hints and winks and half-remonstrances of the shrewd Dame Tibbetts. But how to provide for his permanent maintenance was the question. Luckily the squire bethought himself that the village school was without a teacher. A little further conversation convinced him, that slingsby was as fit for that as for anything else and in a day or two he was seen swaying the rod of empire in the very schoolhouse where he had often been horsed in the days of his boyhood here he has remained for several years and being honored by the countenance of the squire and the fast friendship of mr tibbets he has grown into much importance and consideration in the village i am told however THAT HE STILL SHOWS, NOW AND THEN, A DEGREE OF RESTLESSNESS, AND A DISPOSITION TO rove ABROAD AGAIN, AND SEE A LITTLE MORE OF THE WORLD, AN INCLINATION WHICH SEEMS PARTICULARLY TO HAUNT HIM ABOUT springtime. There IS NOTHING SO DIFFICULT TO CONQUER AS THE VAGRANT HUMOR, WHEN ONCE IT HAS BEEN FULLY INDULGED. SINCE I HAVE HEARD THESE ANECDOTES OF POOR SLINGSBY, I HAVE MORE THAN ONCE MUSED UPON THE PICTURE PRESENTED BY HIM, AND HIS SCHOOLMATE, READY-MONEY JACK, ON THEIR COMING TOGETHER AGAIN AFTER SO LONG A SEPARATION. IT IS DIFFICULT TO DETERMINE BETWEEN LOTS IN LIFE, WHERE EACH IS ATTENDED WITH ITS PECULIAR DISCONTENTS. HE WHO NEVER LEAVES HIS HOME REPINES AT HIS MONOTONOUS EXISTENCE, AND ENVIES THE TRAVELER, WHOSE LIFE IS A CONSTANT TISSUE OF WONDER AND ADVENTURE, WHILE HE WHO IS TOSSED ABOUT THE WORLD, looks back with many a sigh to the safe and quiet shore which he has abandoned i cannot help thinking however that the man that stays at home and cultivates the comforts and pleasures daily springing up around him stands the best chance for happiness there is nothing so fascinating to a young mind as the idea of travelling and there is very witchcraft in the old phrase found in every nursery tale of going to seek one's fortune. A continual change of place and change of object promises a continual succession of adventure and gratification of curiosity. But there is a limit to all our enjoyments, and every desire bears its death and its very gratification. Curiosity languishes under repeated stimulants. Novelties cease to excite surprise, until at length we cannot wonder even at a miracle he who has sallied forth into the world like poor slingsby full of sunny anticipations finds too soon how different the distant scene becomes when visited the smooth place roughens as he approaches the wild place becomes tame and barren the fairy tints that beguiled him on still fly to the distant hill or gather upon the land he has left behind and every part of the landscape seems greener than the spot he stands on end of chapter 22 recording by greg giordano Newport port richie florida